as a good friend of mine would say. Okay. Welcome everybody to the Dil Kokoro podcast. I'm your host, Dil Kokoro, and I am joined by the man of many names, Biron Anate. You probably know him as Rockman Dash. Or if you've been reading him on his new ventures, you know him as Rekaze. How you doing, Hello. bud? Good. Hello. It's been a while. Yeah, I mean you uh you weren't writing for who you're writing for now. Uh when you yeah, were I that. wasn't. So tell me a little bit about this, your new little venture. It kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be like completely honest is, is I saw a Twitter post saying they were looking for someone. And then and then like two days later, I was writing for them. What's their name again? It's Noisy Pixel. They're like Noisy. a little uh, like a gaming website. Okay. Um, but they're growing incredibly fast. So um, I'm excited to be a part. And it, it's cool just to be a part of, you know, media, gaming press kind of deal, you know? Yeah. At the time of this, I know you were working on, I don't know if it'll be out by the time this is, uh, it'll be out by the time that this podcast goes up, but uh, you were working on a review for the new Muv Love. Oh, I already got it out. <laughs> well, then tell me a little bit about it, my man. So, so the the Muv Love game I reviewed was Photon Melodies. It was the last part of the like Kickstarter promises. Uh, it, it's like a collection of anthologies. So there's the the main trilogy of like of games. Um, there's extra well, of routes, extra unlimited, and alternative. And mm-hmm. then after that, they released a lot of small stories. Uh, like alternative chronicles is what they call it. Is there's just like one or two hour stories about just like random events, just to fill in to to explore the world a little bit more, and you know to engage with the characters and and we, uh, is it like slice like of life? life? No, not not always. Sometimes it's just like action. Sometimes it is slice of life. Sometimes it's like comedy. It's it's all over so it's the like, place. It's, it's like a variety. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. That's kind of the the interesting thing with Muv Love is is that the the first route is like you know a romantic comedy, but but then and then it goes into like a military setting. Ah. So so there's a lot of like action and military discussion and and a lot of drama and tension. So so in the in the after story stuff, there's a healthy mix of all of that. So sometimes you'll get like a more military focused story. Sometimes you'll just get like a slice of life. So I know that Muv Love is notorious for being a very long project for anybody to read. Yeah, um, yeah. Is this more like I don't want to call it kinetic, but like is it yeah. like is it more like you have to have like a billion flags or is it just kind of like you just got to be in the long haul with it so so with the uh single with the well with the later mobile game the second and the third ones it is more kinetic like ultimately you'll get to the true ending regardless of your choices the, okay. the choices in unlimited and alternative will change what you see but they won't change the story I'm better like, with that. You'll get, you you'll, you'll get like extra scenes basically. Um, and and these like side stories, they're just connect. There's no choices. And though though in um, Photon Melodies, 
it includes the fan disc sequel to alternative uh, altered fable so so that has choices but i mean i i got tomoyo after off yeah. of your after your app off of your recommendation from our last podcast mm-hmm. and that has like choices with consequences yeah and i'm like this isn't really what i'm into and I, I understand that's just visual novels, but yeah, yeah, you kind of just want to experience the story sometimes, right? And it's like it start it starts from like I'm gonna ask you random uh, Japanese geography questions, and if you get it right, <laughs> you get to see Tomoyo in a like seductive pose, and then all of a sudden it goes to like if you pick the wrong thing on a whim, she just breaks up with you, and you're like, oh shit! <laughs> Have you played through Fate Stay Night? Well, no. So that's the trauma uh, I'm, I'm bringing up here because uh, the other Kev that we have, Doctor yeah. Kev, uh, him. And, <laughs> I like just calling him Doctor instead of Doc. Doctor <laughs> yeah. Kev. Um, I'm not sure if this will go up before his does, but he was talking about uh, Fate Stay Night. He was their choices that. are absolutely insane. It's like batshit. It's like just batshit bonkers. You look at the, you look at the the trees. Like at least with like Sukehime, it kind of makes sense. Like you, yeah. if you have a, like I'll be completely transparent. If the game has choices that have consequences like that, I will just have a, a guide up with me. Yeah. No. What I like, usually do is is I I try to run through the game one round, one round mm-hmm. without a guide, just to see like what my choices will lead me to. But but then I'll eventually switch over to a guide. I think the only time I ever did that, well, two times. The one time I, I don't think I really had a choice and it just pretended I did was with the little experiment known as Doki Doki Literature Club. Yeah. Um, dare not speak of that ever again. Uh, so glad I haven't heard from Monica. Um, but the other one was Little Busters. And I unfortunately got the uh, one of the ecstasy uh, scenes in my first uh, playthrough, and uh, it was very bad timing. I, I don't know if I mentioned it on your podcast. So in Little Busters, there is a route with a girl named Kumari. Yeah, who is uh, very innocent in her mm-hmm. uh, her nature if you will. You know this, I'm just saying. I Um, actually haven't played the Little Busters. But you've seen the anime. I've seen the anime, yes. Okay, so... You know, I guess spoilers for Little Busters for like 10 seconds. Um, You know how like the whole twist is like she goes through like her little like flashback for her brother dying? Yeah. um, And she pretends that like you're the brother? Mm -hmm. If you get the ecstasy scene, the next scene from that is you two fucking... Right after you get back from a boat, nice together, and I'm like, I don't want to ever do visual novels ever again, and I deleted it off. Key key visual novels should should never should never have H scenes. Right, Roro and I were talking about that for like an extensive amount of time after D and D last mm-hmm. week. We were like saying about like how weird, like how weird the uh, the ones in canon are as far as yeah. like the, the pacing. But uh-huh. we've been, you and I have been very, very familiar with the canon H scenes. <laughs> 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 
Anyways, um, today, despite being the visual novel uh, pro that you are, you wanted to talk about some manga. Yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, I, I read way more manga now than I do visual novels. What a twist. It's, it's I, I guess it's you, when you go through every, if, when you go so into a medium, you will eventually hit everything you want to read. Or at least everything that, like, seems interesting to you. And plus, like, visual novels have a huge, like, bottleneck in terms of, like, localization, right? I don't know Japanese, so so I can only read what, what's out there. Why don't you by now? Um, because kanji is hard. Sounds like a likely excuse. I did three years of Japanese in high school. Um, but but your I, high school offered I Japanese. Just, I know it's amazing. I loved it. Clearly uh, not but, enough. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, I love taking it. Um, but but with with Japanese, the earlier stuff is easy to pick up, but then trying to read in Japanese is incredibly hard. Like it's it's one thing to like listen to and understand what they're saying. It's another to to read. Well, it's also like Proton mentioned, like when you're reading, like especially with like anime and that medium. You know what I mean? Like visual novels kind of fall into it. Yeah. Some of it is real Japanese, and some of it is just still techno babble. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and it, it's it's more just I I've basically gone very hard into my school, so I just never had the time. I get it. I mean. Lord knows I get it. I'm, I've, been working at, I've been working at a clinic. Um, man, uh, I'm avoiding the most obvious choice here on your manga list you sent me. Yeah, fuck it. Let's just talk about it. So, Kaguya. Uh, how far ahead is this to, like... like I'm sure... Th- did the anime cover a lot of ground or not really? The anime's gone quite a bit. I, I believe the anime is at, like, chapter 70 or 80. But but we're at like 200 in the manga, so still a couple seasons then. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, there was actually like a a tweet from from the authors like we're at like the last like arc stretch, so so I'm assuming it's gonna like wrap up around 300. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, it, so yeah. the finish line's there. Okay. That always yeah. fascinates me, like when it's just not like a yeah we'll middle around for a while then figure out where it's going. To be fair, like three hundred is a lot of chapters. Sure, sure. Like most most manga don't get anywhere close to that, and it's it's because Kaguya has continuously reinvented itself that it's been able to do that. Yeah, I, I was wondering how long the I don't call it a shtick, but like how long that premise could could last, and it seems like it's stayed fresh. I mean, I still loathe seeing all of your gifs and clips that you post but uh especially from i'm saying from the anime but i'm glad that it, it continuously gets better yeah it's it's probably like one of my favorite like like media like pieces of media as a whole like i really love kaguya it's just the character writing has just gotten incredibly good the further the show goes, the further the manga goes. Mm-hmm. So, so it's just incredible character moments and like very excellent dialogue and very excellent situational 
writing it's just phenomenal honestly like it it, it comes off like from first impression as just like another romantic comedy mm-hmm. but but i think proton did a post that like explains it quite well is that it's it's actually like most romantic comedy is like comedy first romance second right they they use romance as like a set dressing for mm-hmm. for the comedy but Kaguya is basically the opposite. It has comedy to lighten the mood, but it's really a romance work, and and that means engaging character moments. and And I'm all here for it. And the writer really, like, I don't know if he like understands understands people, but he writes like he does, and that's very compelling. <laughs> like, 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 I can't tell if you know people, right? Like, there's like no exper- way I can tell. If, if it's experiences or just you, you're really good at listing. Like, I yeah, get yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. Uh, you say there's character development. So, are you saying like with the relationships amongst these people, or like the character? The characters. Say, I don't say people. Grow. Yeah, characters. Yeah, there's growth. There's actual growth. Um, there's there's gonna be like an arc about Kaguya like in the next season if they do another and and it's genuine character growth. Genuine character. Look, I'm a sucker for rom coms. I just don't know. Like, I'm trying to figure out why it didn't click for me. Like, and is it the when, pacing? I don't know, man. Because it's like you guys sent me the manga. Like, yeah. Before this was ever an anime. And I thought mm-hmm. it was fine. I I didn't like dislike it, but I I just wasn't hooked like everybody else was. Yeah. And then I kind of had the same impression with the anime. And then like I don't know to quote to quote the uh, poet Requiem, do you not like Chica or do you not like Chica dance? And what do you mean by that? Like when I was telling him that I I didn't really like chica's character as much as everybody did else did like everyone like i was saying i was was getting frustrated that every week it was like look at cute slash funny thing chica did you know that's that was a weird thing for me as like a manga reader because the manga community didn't have that reaction like like almost everyone considers chica the weak link of of the series because in the manga okay yeah yeah she doesn't grow as a character even though everyone else does and she's like just her for like she's just the comedy part of the rom-com yeah yeah and um i like her as like you know a, a comedy bit but like the fact that everyone in season one was like oh chica's the best and i was like what i and then like the gif like that same gif just getting blasted everywhere of the dance. I was just like, "All right, I'm I'm done." And then like I I think that's what ended it for that season for me. Yeah. But uh, did you get to to season two? No, and I keep hearing it gets better. I need to sit down and give it a chance. Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I, I don't. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, how bad would it be to be in your friend group and for everybody to call you the comedy bit? Like, the way that you just explained Chica. Like, everyone's developing over the years, and you're just the comedy bit. Somebody refers to you as a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds mean. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. That, that would, that'd be interesting. You know, Josh, he's, you know, he's a good guy. You know, it's just, 
you know, he's just kind of, you know, he comes around, you know, he hasn't really developed a whole lot. He's got that comedy bit, but. Yeah. I, so, like, and then the other thing, I, I don't mean to line you up and shoot you here on this one, but, like, people stand really hard for characters for this, for this series. And, like, yeah. I'm not, gonna, yeah. I'm not, I'm not in the business of, like, talking behind someone's back, so I'm going to tell you straight to your face when I say it. When I see Justice for Hayakusa, or whatever the fuck her name is, like, blasted every chapter that she's in from you, I'm like, alright, man. It was more It was more in the anime, because season one, she just had no appearances. And, and you know, I, I've grown to really like her as a character through throughout the manga. Like, I think by the when season one was airing, we were already a hundred chapters in. So, so it's like ah, my favorite character just hasn't had any moments. And and yeah, she was like, from when I watched, she was like barely in the first season. So I get that. She but has like... much more of a presence in season two, and she has whole arcs in like in the manga. So. So I'm really looking forward to when they get to that. Having just done like a deep dive critical analysis of ReZero, yeah, and how, and how toxic people get about anime girls, mm-hmm. I was just very concerned that this was what this was leading into, like just a waifu war thing. Yeah, I I don't I, I don't get that impression just because it's like. We already know who's getting the relationship from the very front. And there's never even any competition, right? Okay. So so it's it's never a matter of like waifu wars. It's just a That's matter fair. of what characters do you like more? And and ev- they have very distinct personalities, so I it really just comes to preference, I guess. L- let me push back a little bit on that. I, I get what you're saying, but that same rationale with like, all rom coms. You could tell pretty, like, instantaneously who's going to be the main couple. Uh, I don't know. Like, I just uh, watched, I watched Mayo Cheeky, and it's like, like, don't so, even, don't even try to introduce a little levity. So, like, oh, is he going to get, actually get with her, or maybe it'll be this girl? No, it's not going to happen that way. I watched Couture. A few, like, a year or two ago, there were, like, two, like, rom-com mangas that were, like, really popular. It was We Never Learn and Quintessential Quintuplets. Oh, well, yeah, there was five girls to choose from. Yeah, that one. yeah, and, and the one that won was not what anyone expected. I'll tell you right now, the one that won was not the one who won on our, our, uh, our island <laughs> hypothetical. Um, that was a fun episode. Everyone should listen to it. We got another one coming down the pipeline. <laughs> um, you may or may not learn uh, a March Madness-esque bracket of uh, anime girls for me. Anyways, um, moving on with your anime, and uh, not anime, your manga list. Goodness gracious, I'm going from so many different mediums. Yeah, you've covered, on my podcast, you've covered anime and visual novels. Now you're just really going for, for the other two here. Right. Let's, let's switch over to uh, light novels real quick. So you've been reading Tanya. Yeah, Tanya is legitimately so. So the ones I have on our list are are the manga I keep. I mean, the light novels I keep up with. So yeah. so when they get localized, I'll I'll pick it up and read it. Usually, 
with how I consume it is is I'll just binge through what's out and then I'll forget about it. Sure. But but these are the series I like to the point in which I'll keep up with them. Nice little Tanya, treat when you come back. Yeah, yeah. Tanya, um you watch the anime, right? Oh, I love the anime. Uh the white novel is very military focused. Incredibly military focused. Like the structure oh. and everything. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of the conflict of being X and Tanya almost feels like an afterthought in the white novel. But really? but the military okay. tactics are so engaging and the monologuing of Tanya as a character is so compelling that mm-hmm. that I, it it's a really fun read. This might shock you, Rock, but uh that might be the kind of shit that I like. Um but not in the make believe kind of way. Yeah. But uh I was interested in, I was I was interested in figuring out like how appealing it was because I know a lot of what I liked about the anime itself came from kind of just the cinematography in a way. I don't want to yeah, call it that. Yeah, I mean, that's a real like, pretent- that's a real pretentious way to talk about art direction, but the like aerial fight scenes and stuff. Yeah, I just that that shit was just super rad to me. And it's mm-hmm. funny because this is the same. Like I said this when we were doing our top hundred. Uh, spoiler alert: Mine was really high up. Uh, the the show is really high up on mine. When I was talking to Kingsey, I. It's funny because we were shitting on the show when it first came out. Like everybody yeah. was. They were well, like, "Oh, look at this." I liked Tanya a lot when it came out. Actually, really, I, okay. I know the character is not great. But but the but the personality of Tanya and sure. and the conflict of being X was compelling enough to like overlook that. Right. So I don't mean to generalize. So like when the first two episodes came out, when everybody like you know that like when everyone picks their their hills to die on in the first few episodes. Yeah. And then, and then they're like just viciously shitting on all the other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's like, look at this gross looking frog girl, because of like some of those side shots were. And it's just like that's the kind of show where screenshots just do not do it justice. Yeah, it's it looks like it's better motion. Uh-huh. It's and it's such a busy show too, like with the combat and the planning. But yeah. uh, everyone keeps asking me if I've seen the movie, and they tell me I need to see the movie. The um, movie, it the movie feels like four episodes of an anime. That's fair. like it. It doesn't feel like a movie. Because, like, it doesn't have, like, this traditional story arc of, like, you know, because it's in the middle of a series. Right. But but the the fight in, in the movie is very good. Maybe and... it's a bit of a tangent, but how do you feel about that? Like, when people make, like, the next arc as the movie instead of... me off. Because localized, like, because Crunchyroll and stuff never pick it up. Right. Okay. That That's kind of what I was looking for. Because, like, you know, Made It and Best did it. Yeah. Um... With not one but two movies, <laughs> so that's basically a season. If you so if you can... one of my favorite, I guess I liked the anime a lot, but but the one of the seasons just kind of fell apart. Uh, the world God only knows. Okay, um, is legitimately one of my favorite series, and and I'll like say it up front, it's like top ten anime or manga, right? Oh wow, okay, and and. After season one and two are straight adaptations, um, season three like skips so much. It skips like 
40, 50 chapters, and it weaves those to be OVAs. And they're incredibly important. Like, you legitimately would be lost if you didn't watch the OVAs. And and even then, season three is just like so rushed in piecemeal that it, it's it's awful. But but it's like why do that? Just just put it up on TV. And and I, I guess it's Crunchyroll and Funimation's fault too. Is is pick up everything? Like how hard is it to get the OVA rights? They're important. I wonder how licensure is gonna go like when because you know this like the last two or three years it was an arms race to who can get the license for whatever shows yeah and we very recently have seen like divorces between funimation and crunchyroll and then now they're like oh let's kind of meet in the middle again put like re-zero's dub back up but yeah i'm wondering like surely it's gonna be get better and not worse but like I wonder how much of this stuff's just going to fall off the wayside and into like lost media, like legally speaking. Like I guess pul- without physical. I guess the thing with with anime so much is that there's so much anime coming out, right? Right. Like versus a few years ago, the number of anime on like you know that that are just coming out per season is like sixty, seventy shows. Like and. You can't pick up everything. There's ultimately so much uh, attention that a show can get in a season. I mean, obviously the COVID stuff has a little bit derailed that, but I mean that's that's a that that's a entire box that we haven't seen what's really on the inside yet. Yeah, but uh, but the point is, there's so much that there's always stuff that falls on the wayside, and it's it's really tragic because I, I know there's plenty of works I've loved that just never got. You know, well, think, or... think of it like movies. Like the more that they treat anime like how it is like any other intellectual property for like streaming purposes. Yeah. Like everyone's like, I want more anime on my Netflix and all this and my Hulu. It's it's a monkey's paw. It's a monkey paw's wish because it's like, oh, I want to watch The Dark Knight. Oh, well, you, you can't watch that because you have to stream it on the DC streaming service. But like even before that, like four years ago, if you wanted to watch it on Netflix you would have to wait like the one period, like yeah. the one three month period they had it for streaming. Mm-hmm. And like, before you know it, it's going to be like, and obviously I'm just throwing out a random name out here, but like, Oh, I really want to watch Higarashi. Well, high dive lost the rights to it. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll wait another six months for it. Yeah. But, uh, I, in- I'm always a physical media guy. Um, so it's like, get a physical media if you can. Um, and it, it, the streaming fights are unfortunate, but ultimately, if you're a fan of the medium, you'll run into that kind of stuff and you'll have to resort to piracy, which sucks because, yeah, I don't want to. I think that at some point, the execs are just going to be like, we're, like, I imagine the sales are not going to be, like, now that everything could be streamed, the physical media sales are going to be so bad that they're just going to eventually learn that they have to price it not at $200. I mean, like, they even... they justify it with the margins, right? If there's not a lot of people buying it, but they have incredibly good margins, then then the high prices work for them, right? Yeah, like a little sports analogy for you. Like my brother, he's always subscribed to this. He's a lifelong Cleveland Browns fan, right? 
Yeah. And he says the reason that the league never intervenes with the Browns, like, well, I mean, when they were bad. Yeah. Um, he's like, the reason that the league never intervened with the Browns is because they sold out every game. The Knicks are somehow the most profitable team in the NBA, but they've right. been god awful for 20 years. Yeah. And there's, and then like, why would the, like, yeah, let's, let's move over to that. If, why would the NBA, like, have all these conspiracy theories of, of like the, the leagues fixing for teams to get better? Why would the NBA give the number one pick to the Knicks when they know that they don't have to? Yeah. Um, and that, and they don't like the owner, but that's a, that's a, different, <laughs> that's a different tangent. They're just trying to get him out of the lunch table. But, uh, sorry, Guggs. He's not even this. <laughs> Um, no way. The only person listening to this right now who got that's Requiem. Right now at his desk, he's like, oh, "I get that." Um, I guess not a whole lot more to say about Tanya. It's good to hear that it, it that it is in depth like that. I am curious about reading it because you're not the first person to tell me that uh, the light novels are really good. You know, it, it's it's really weird with Tanya though. It's you should read all. You should experience all three: the the anime, the manga, and the light novel. It has, all a manga. it has a manga. Okay. Well, I mean, that's, I think the manga I should, is I should, actually I should... the manga is actually I think the best because really? because it 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 looks better for first off and and it it goes a little more hardcore tactical than the light. I mean, versus the anime, but but it mm-hmm. carries a lot of the like comedy and like levity that the anime i mean in the the being x parts that the anime has so so tanya as a novel is just like very dense it like calling it a white novel is almost a joke because of how like basically it's like just diehard military (laughs) tactics it's like do you like world war ii (laughs) enjoy fill that shit up in my cup put a little magic in that put a little magic a little 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 pumpkin spice in there, yeah. Magic and modern military tactics in World War II. Um, have fun. Let me tell you, you reincarnate me in that world as the little, like the little eight-year-old general. <laughs> Fucking fantastic! I'd be, I'd be out there, I'd be out there winning the war <laughs> with ma- with magic Germany. Um, I think you would like Tanya a lot. And and also, I have another kind of thing on the list that's like the appeal is military tactics eighty six. Um, like I think you'd like both of them. Tell me this one a little bit better because pizza didn't do a very good job. Bless his heart. We had a podcast about this. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to listen to the Andy Tate Book Club podcast, go do that. That might 86. also be what that might also be what I'm referring to. Um, <laughs> Uh, but 86 is is interesting because it's it's a military story, but it's also like an apartheid kind of story. Like mm-hmm. it, the racial relations is a huge part of 86, but but it does a very good job with its military tactics too. Um, the appeal is the character relations and how they balance that with the like effective effectively apartheid state in it and and it plays really well with the themes and it's it's a very compelling standalone story at least the first one like so after the first one there's multiple we only read the first one in the book club okay but like the book club is like an enclosed story so if you just read the first one 
you you can have a great time, but but if you like the characters, then read the others because it'll elaborate on like the epilogue stuff that's in the first book. Uh, on your list here, you have is the order a rabbit? Do I have that? No, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I had a double take there. <laughs> Part of your act, like, wait, shit, did I really put that there? Seriously? <laughs> okay. Um, see you at the food court tomorrow. Okay. Is this okay. a. This is just a little put a spotlight on a little manga I really like. Slice of life, just like enjoyable conversations is the whole appeal of the show okay it's just like i mean oh the manga it's just like two people just having conversations real people would have right <laughs> like it's it's nonsensical like just random conversations but it flows well and the chemistry is amazing between the two and it's easily become one of my favorite manga <laughs> i know I'm sorry. It's just the joke going into it. I, I, it's not fair. <laughs> so you did a good pitch here. It's just I, I didn't, I didn't prime you well with that. We've been talking about is the order a rabbit? <laughs> so I, I don't. <laughs> what like over under like? I guess you can't really do over under percentage chance, but like, do you think the odds are probably pretty good that you're going to see uh, an anime of this? Uh, actually, I don't think it'll get one. Ooh. Just because, like, um, it, it's it's a really small, like, webcomic-y kind of thing. I love it. Um, I mean... But, like, we're I don't in know. The, we're in the webtoon renaissance, my dude. Yeah, but that's just because there's so much Korean webtoons that are being pumped out that I, I just don't think some conversational thing like this will, will get anyone's attention. That was your opportunity to pitch it. I would love an anime of this. I think that... It's it too late. Be... The executives are clicking off the podcast. <laughs> I, it would be very easy to do. Uh, Mr. Anaplex just... was listening. <laughs> you just need good voice actors and, and like just two good voice actors. And, and you don't need to put any budget into it. It'll be amazing. Well, hey, we all know a good voice actor. <laughs> It's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, I kind of want to. I see you have Kyu Chan on here. I'm so excited. It got like a, a physical, like it got a what, license. What is what is Kyu Chan? It's a little cat that that just does amazing things. I'm allergic to this conversation. <laughs> you are. I'm allergic to cats. Rest in peace. Which is funny. Is which just... is funny because everyone's always like, "Don't you like cat girls?" And I'm like, "No, I don't like cat girls because I'm allergic to cat girls." Yeah, but it just—it's a literal cat that just has like, is is like smart and it just does. It's able to do things cats shouldn't do, but it's just so delightful. It's okay. it's it's a I'm daily manga. It's a daily manga, and. So it's, it's like just Japanese Garfield. Basically, except positive and fluffy the whole time. All right. What, you saying Garfield's not fluffy? Uh, yeah, he's fat. <laughs> <laughs> fat shaming Garfield. <laughs> Cancel Rekaze. 
Um, also, the uh, the trans waiters have been like doing gift versions of of many chapters, and the gifts are delightful. Listen, the last time somebody told me that there was something about cute cats, that shit was Nekopara. Okay, that wasn't cats. <laughs> That shit was not cats. Delightful. I I have I have exclusively used Nekopara as a gag gift. That is my entire experience with Nekopara. I mean, you know, uh, I as I pointed out in my podcast about Granbelb with T Grip, that that was written by the same guy who wrote Psychopaths and, and Modica Magica. Was it? No. Of course, it <laughs> fucking wasn't. <laughs> But T-Grip was in the middle of explaining, like, I didn't know who this guy's name was. And he was, like, taking me to school about the entire writing uh, background on this guy. And I just said Nekopara in the middle of it. And he just kind of nodded along. And then, like, two minutes in, he goes, did you just say Nekopara? <laughs> Speaking of Nekopara, um, you've, been, <laughs> you've been reading quite a bit of Otome Isekai. Yeah, yeah. So I actually just read a ton of manga nowadays. Like, I basically don't watch anime because there's just nothing. Like, there's so few anime that's seasonal that I've just filled the void with opening up r slash manga and picking up random chapters. But, But the inherent problem with picking up what's popular and what's available is that there's a lot of Otome Isekai. There are far too many Otome Isekai. It's it's almost upsetting. I'm like reading one a week. So like, like Isekai is like, like mutated now, right? So now yeah. it's like this is a further mutation of it. Yeah, like like normal Isekai still exists, but it feels like 75% of them are this Otome Isekai. And it's just hilarious because if you actually play like an Otome, this villainous character basically doesn't exist. It's almost like a who? fabrication of the the manga medium. Who is the demographic for these? I don't know. I mean, is it is it, is it like teenage girls? It. I think it's actually fairly broad because I mean, like, like it will appeal to teenage girls, but but I think they're just so like. It has the same general appeal of an otome, except it delves like the inherently an otome isekai will delve more into like the society of the the world versus like an adventure, right? Because in an adventure isekai, they just fuck around and and try to beat the demon or whatever. But but with like an otome isekai, their their whole objective is to survive the the like noble society, right? So, so I think anyone who likes like the concept of an isekai is kind of the intended audience, I guess. How far away are we from like? And I'm sure it already exists. Like, it, I've noticed with manga, if I say an idea, it's been made, in like yeah. in some some corner of the internet. Like, how far away are we from, like, it's an Otome Isekai, but you just but, play as, but you play as a poor, like, you, the main character is just a poor peasant. 
I am honestly like, amazed nothing. by the variety of one differences yeah. between these series. Yeah, we're there. We're there. It, yeah, it's like one dimension, it's, and then you're there. Like, it has to be a dartboard at this point. Like, <laughs> you, I imagine there has to be, like, conference rooms of people making ideas for storyboarding for this kind of shit, right? I no, not really. It's like okay, so ultimately manga is inherently pitched by the by the mangaka, right? Okay, okay. And and so long as the editors think it's quality enough, they'll they'll usually put it on, right? So so I'm not sure how much like committee manga has. And plus, nowadays they're just picking up very popular webcomics. Hmm. So so the uh or or a lot of the the manga are actually just like uh web novel adaptations so it's just people are writing these things and then i guess it's like they're just picking them up like i guess there might be committees seeing like hey this this has x number of reads there's so many people following this we might as well adapt it right mm. and it's just like obscene it's like, how many can you continue pumping out? I'm becoming more and more fascinated by how these these series get made than the actual series themselves. Like, yeah. I'm not saying, like, Shirobako. Like, I don't need that. I'm saying, like, I love reading the behind the scenes. Like, when when Proton tells us, they're basically telling creators, if it's not Isekai, Otome Isekai, or... Um, just straight up rom com. It's not getting made. Yeah, and I'm just like, what? It's like, just like, there's so many, and I that's where the audiences are, I guess. So, I guess it's working, right? You know, and the, again, this is going back to streaming. So sorry, I have streaming on the mind, but like. My folks say, like, oh, you're always watching a new anime. And I'm just like, there's just so many of them. Yeah. And it, what, what's more important is that their quality. Mm-hmm. And it's it, you could stream a show on Netflix, and just because it's popular doesn't necessarily mean it's good. Yeah. Like, Inherently, everyone... the most popular things ultimately are, like, accommodating to the lowest common denominator because you can't, if you were trying to make a show that, appeals to everyone you're not targeting anyone you know right there is a new show every week on netflix that everyone's watching yes but it's not always good yeah and and i don't mean that in like a like well i didn't personally find it all that good like production wise it was not very good like you get examples like what was it space force comes out and that's just completely trying to strike while the iron's hot on a a political topic yeah and then they're like steve carell just kind of kind of play like you're a military dad and then we'll put John Malkovich in there. Put John Malkovich in there because everybody loves John Malkovich. Okay, it's done. And then it comes out and it's shit. It's boring. But like everyone's saying, did you did you watch Space Force? That's so funny that they made that joke about Trump. You're just like this is like, at least with anime, you're gonna find like a gem in the rough. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, I'm on high dive, just randomly searching for dubs. Let me tell you the last two I pulled up. Review Star... Excuse me. 
review Starlight. Amazing. And, and then Mayochiki, which for <laughs> not. For, well, here's the thing, right? For an etchy show, etchy rom-com, it was actually pretty good. Yeah. I was gonna drop it like faster than anything because I knew it because of that dub. And then the dub was actually decent. Look, yeah. I'm just saying, like, everyone's like, that's a bad example, Dill, because Rock just proved to you that it's uh Mayochiki sucks, but like you don't have to look far on anime streaming. Like you have, I watched Danmachi for the first time. Both yeah, seasons. there's just always something there, right? Three seasons of Haikyuu. Like you could just, you, you don't have to look far for it to be there. Like you have to look really hard for Netflix shows. And then even then it's like, maybe I like this or not. I don't mean to compare mediums and you know, somebody's like really just like their brow is just so sweaty because they're mad about this right now. But I'm just saying like finding anime is not that difficult. And I imagine manga is probably the same way. So I can respect that you're always reading manga. I Well, the thing with manga is kind of just consuming, like, I, I'm always just reading to to occupy time, basically. And yeah, you're like you're like Unicron. You're just finding new planets to eat. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like the engaging. I'm just hunting for engagement, and and eventually I'm gonna find something I really love. But um, I feel like with anime, it is a little bit more deliberate. But mm-hmm. but with manga, it's it, it it's fun, and and I I really like it. I wonder. <sighs> I wonder if we're ever going to reach a point where one medium really breaks away from the others. Like as far yeah. as quali- as far as quality. Cuz you you used to hear people always say like manga is the only way to go and it seemed like towards the end of the the like I guess you would just call them the 2000s um people were very adamant that if you wanted the greatest experience you went with that. But it feels like the late 2010s and early, I guess we would call this now 2020s, um, it feels like people are really more inclined for like light novels. Like that's that they've been really k- kicking off with uh, popularity. I think that inherently a lot of people like to like just dog on anime because of the like cuts they have to make to make it work, right? Make it happen, yeah. But 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 I'm gonna make the argument that anime is usually the best way to experience something. That's where I'm at. Because because um, with manga or light novels, you have you can pay you're pacing yourself. Ultimately, when I read a manga series, oftentimes I'll binge a hundred chapters in like a weekend, right? But but with anime, it's you're going at the pace that the director intended. So things feel more deliberate. And and I think anime can stick with you more than like a good anime is better than a good manga. And and I think it's more impactful usually. I wonder do you think and I, I this might be kind of a, a leading question given what you just said, but do you think that anime can elevate a the the source material? more than manga can what do you mean by that like light novel adaptations to manga let's say, let, versus let's anime. say that let's say it. or like even if it was a manga and then the anime had it to do what the manga original did i mean obviously there's there's layers to to anime right so right, so right. manga is inherently 
paneling and visuals, right? But but music and and pacing and presentation, voice acting, there's a lot more layers to an anime than there is is a manga. My my take is a mediocre manga is usually better than a mediocre anime, but but a good anime is better than a good manga. So it really feels like the floor and the ceiling are a lot like steeper for anime. Like it, yeah. it can go it could go a lot better on a, like a masterful level, but it could also get a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I why think that- the 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 higher floor is the reason I read a lot of manga, is because I can read through trash and be like I had a fun time with that, but that was not very good. But the anime, yeah. it's like I'm, I'm bored. I'm bored. Yeah, sure. If you read My Uchiki, you'd probably say it was fine. But yeah, <laughs> but if you watched it, you're like boobies in my face. Get this shit out of me. Or you could just be like, this is great. Um. Anyways. Um. <laughs> This this podcast is so meta because it's like I'm mentioning like three topics and they're all going to come up in the next four podcasts. Yeah. And then everyone's just like, oh, great. I can see he was on his Mayo Cheeky kick <laughs> and I didn't even want to talk about it. And then Rex like, let's do a podcast about Mayo Cheeky. And I'm like, I know this is exactly going to be what comes up in some way. It's going to organically come up in a conversation. And then it's going to be fate all over again, where I, I get people mad at me because I brought up fate for six podcasts in a row. It just happens, right? Yeah, well, it's like... It's like you're talking about Shonen, and you're like, oh, yeah, you brought up Naruto again. Like, like it's like going to fucking mention, happen. If you mention ReZero, I will almost always pull up fate, as an, like, just as an example, versus, like, I did not like Subaru. And I think that Subaru should have been handled more like Emiya. I, I wrote an article about it. You can read about that with those thoughts. But like, there are the works. Opposite. I've heard the complete opposite of that argument. There are works that'll just pop up, right? And and like in a conversation. And yeah, well, yeah, fuck it. it. Let's keep talking about this. I want to no, let's let's talk about this. This yeah. article you wrote. All right. So you think that Emiya was handled better than Subaru? Okay. Yes, yes, I do. Give me your case. Um, so the the idea of Emia as as a character is very thematic, right? So, mm-hmm. so the three routes are inherently themed around Emia's relationship with heroism, right? So, sure. so Emia in in Fate like goes ball out on I want to be a hero and save everyone. Like it, it engages with this hero delusion mm-hmm. of um and and then and then unlimited blade works fights against that like so so it makes Emiya have to confront like the cons of his heroic delusion right and yeah. then and then heaven's feel is is Emiya betraying his heroic delusion because he cares more about an individual than his like yeah, belief does. system. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Um, so 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 inherently Emia is a vehicle for a heroic theme. Okay. And and I think that ReZero sets up Subaru with this heroic delusion. But but my issue with season one, I have not seen season two and I probably will never. 
But okay. but my issue with season one was that they they I feel like they set it up like 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 Fate Stay Night in that you know Subaru is like a fail boy who keeps on dying because of his heroic delusion. But then at the end, they basically motivate him to continue doing bullshit. And and this betrayal of like this reinforcement of his negative traits ruins Subaru as a character for me. So when you say because you're saying a reinforcement of his negative traits, I I don't know. Like I I'm not trying to argue with you on it, but I wanted to have this discussion because that's that's a, I've never heard that take before, and I'm processing it as we go here. So pardon me for like filling some air, but like I'm curious because. It feels like his development comes from the fact that he doesn't have a set of ideals. Like, if you think about it, like, I get but, what you're saying. I, I, I understand the comparison between the two. When I first hear you compare the two characters, I my gut reaction is, what the fuck? But, like, I get where you're coming from because the deeper you look into it, I get that the, it is built around two kids having kind of, like, the the rug pulled under them and realizing that, that they never had a set of ideals. I think of that part on Limited Blade Works where Archer is just beating the shit out of him and yeah. tells him like you never, you never had anybody to save because you never had anything to save. It. Like, but like, I, I don't know because I, you can't really, you can't really say Subaru has a whole lot to save even at the end of season one. If you really think about it, because yes, he loves Amelia, but... I mean, my, my point was not that he doesn't have anything to save, but... Right. I'm but thinking that about the show encourages his reckless sure. behavior. Sure, okay. And it encourages his heroic... Com uh, like, his, his hero uh, complex. I was In a with... way that just absolutely baffles and, be like, has betrayed my expectations. Right. I was running with the ball in a different direction, but it was still something that came to mind when we were discussing that. As yeah. far as... I don't know, because I feel like Rem is there to reel him back in. I don't think he's being rewarded for anything. I just think that he never... The reason I say that about, like, never having anything, this character is somebody who is a complete shut-in. Like, in comparison, like, Shiro is very social. Shiro yeah. has a, a lot of people in his life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you were saying you didn't see season two, but, like, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that uh, Subaru was, uh, like, a neat, like, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, Um, I think he even says that, but, like, in the first episode. But, yeah. I, 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 it's not apples to oranges. Like, I, I get where you're coming from. It's, like I said, at the gut reaction when I first hear it, I'm like, okay, pause. But then that's like, an argument that's dumb. Yeah, I get it. But then, like, I also think that it's not entirely fair for somebody to completely shut down that discussion that you're having there because it is worth talking about. But I just don't know. And again, like, you make a good case. And I think, like, with online discussion, especially for anime, for God's sake, nobody yeah. has to agree on any of it or disagree. It could just be a discussion. And it's like, mm -hmm. look at me here. I just took what you're like, kind of the same point where like you were comparing the two characters and went a different direction with it. That's part of the fun of anime. Yeah, yeah. Especially the ones that are like well written, like both of those 
kind of are. Yeah. And there you there you go, fuck faces. Now we got two shows that we're bringing up every time. We're going to bring up ReZero <laughs> and Fate every episode. Oh, man. Rem's the best servant. Ah, uh, I don't like Rem. Well, that so yeah, I've dismissed so many comments on my my article because uh they were like, "Oh, you're such a Rem stan. You used her thumbnail twice." I'm like, bro, pause. Like, that's not even close to what I was doing here. Yeah. Um, but uh, while I still have you here for the, for the podcast, I know you didn't come on to talk about ReZero. I mean, but that's the fun of podcasts like this is, like, we can talk about anything. So let's have the in-depth discussions, right? Let's talk about the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> <laughs> sure, like, let's go. Anything. Let's go. All right. Uh, I'm trying to think. Luca Doncic has to come up immediately, right? I, I'm not even. I'm not even in that. I, I, I. Everybody wants to to shit on the Kings about Luca. I get it. Um. I will say I, that. I will say that yeah. the Kings probably deserve more shit than the Hawks do. The but, Hawks are a greatly ran organization. I don't get the Hawks hate. Like, well, because everyone's like, I, I, as much as I hate Trey Young, and I mean like capital H hate Trey Young. Yeah. I get that trade. Because uh-huh. they were like, oh, so you're going to give us more assets to move back a spot? Okay. Yeah. And then they're like, all right, cool. And you know, as much as I hate to say it, Trey Young's probably what the point guard of the NBA is now. Yeah, yeah. Just lobbing shots from half court and them going in and not I, playing, I, I not playing defense. That, I think that um, he has his passing game is fairly underrated, and he's more Steve Nashish than he is a Curry. But I, you know, his playmaking is definitely underrated. But and it's not like empty stat assists either. So yeah. like, like as much as I love Westbrook, some of his assists are really just empty stat assists. Mm. Um, or like the Chris Paul assist, like you're in the corner, so now it's your turn to shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, I am curious with that though, because the argument for a Trey Young over a Luca is that the Mavericks' inherent problem is that well, not problem necessarily. The way to beat the Mavericks, as as mu- as cliche as it is to say, like you have to score more points, they're yeah. going to put up, they're going to put up 130. So you just need to have volume shooters. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, they're not going to play any defense on, with the Mavs. I'm not saying, like, the Mavs are, like, the, the team to beat by any means. I'm not drinking that. The series is very exciting, though. Right. I'm saying, like, I, if I were looking at it, like, for the perspective of why somebody would pick Trey Young over Luka. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously, Luka is a light years ahead better pick. But, uh-huh. but that's not what we're shitting on here. So the Kings. Yes, the Kings. Vlade Divac. Vlade Divac. The, the only way... Like, they almost have to sign Bagley to justify uh, it. Yes. To justify this mistake. They it's have a sunken cost. Yeah, they have... Like, it's the sunken... Exactly, it's the sunken cost theory. You're pulling the slot machine. You're like, look, we had to do it. We, we just, we're at the table. We already have half of the savings in. We have to just go. Finish out the rest of the mortgage. 
I like Bagley. He just can't stand the court. Yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, uh, well, also he's a black hole on offense, and yeah, um, he is. <laughs> <laughs> and his defense I mean, that's like garbage. That, I mean, well, every everybody besides Fox on on the Kings on offense. Yeah, you know, who, you know who's perfect for the Kings? DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> no, no, he wouldn't be able to stay on the court. Well, he's perfect for the Kings. I mean, the the idea of a lob guy, yes. No, I, I I'd say like like you said, black hole on offense can't stay on the court. <laughs> I I remember remember the like the first week that Luca was a starter. And uh, there's the clip of him going to grab the rebound and, and DJ just boxing out his own teammate to grab the rebound. <laughs> oh, man. For the four people listening to this podcast who didn't click off by now, they're, they're, they're surprised. Yeah. So, like, yeah. So, the money, like, just think about the way the money's going to go. You have to pay Fox. That's the most egregious thing. Yes, you have to pay Fox. You have to pay Bagley. We need to get rid of Barnes. We need to get rid of uh... who? Who is taking Barnes and who is taking uh, Buddy? Buddy Seventy Sixers, maybe. Um, if they dump Horford. But then you, the only way you do that is if you took on Horford's contract. But Horford's contract is a black hole in itself. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the reason why the CBA is such a disaster. I. Well, Nick, well it's, it's the Kings blasted through their their salary with bad contracts. They uh, signed like two centers for like ten million dollars each. Well, the center's not the egregious position. It's it's our backup point is making like thirteen mil a year. We're paying Kent, like Kent Bazemore while well, he's expiring, but he's so much money. And then Harrison Barnes is making like what twenty five mil a year. You know, to some extent, I get wanting to, like, get your sure thing insurance deal. Yeah. Like, you know, like, um, I think it was John Henson on the Bucks had the famous quote, like, he got an extension a year early. And everyone's like, why did you get your extension now? You might play better next season. He said, I might play worse next season. I just yeah. want to make sure that my family is taken care of. Yeah. And then he did fall off a cliff, but then he had his money. He had his insurance. But then, like, you get some players that are stuck in situations where, like, we got, like, six, like, six to seven years of a wasted prime of Nicholas Batum. Because Nick Batum got, like, a max deal, and he wasn't worth that money. But he was a great role player. Yeah. I'm, audi- I'm auditioning for my basketball podcast here. Um, but, like... Hopefully, one of the good things to come out of like the player negotiation and potential like uh, lockout upcoming here because of like, the social justice thing, like as from like, like a business standpoint, is maybe we see more of like the two-year eighty million deals, where like the salary cap gets inflated, but it's also just a lot more short-term. Deals. I think the salary cap is gonna stay where it's at or okay, go lower. That's fair. Yeah, that, that's fair. I'm I'm spitballing here. Like something that's more friendly for short deals is what I'm getting at because, like, you have your players that maybe they can get that big number. Over the the long, long contracts are are ultimately a, a test of how good a GM is, right? 
Like, if you're offering role players these long contracts, they're going to backfire on you basically every time. Right. So so your role player should be on shorter deals. And and the only time you, you offer the long offers are if it's cheap or if it's a star player, right? I was almost... So, yeah, I was going to say cheap. So, uh-huh. so, so the thing is, yeah, I, I, I don't... I'm, I don't think it should be the responsibility of the league to make sure teams don't fuck up. Right. I, I think that Vlade Divac is at fault for our cap situation, and and he's the only one who should be blamed. I Is Vlade one of the last, like, you think of, like... Garpax? Well, yeah, I'm just thinking, like, some of the... That we're losing the dumb, the dumb guy at the helm. Yeah, it, it feels like the league is getting smarter, right? Which is which is almost boring. But but at the same time, I think because the league is getting smarter, the dumb moves stand out far more. Like like every move the Cavs make. Thank you. <laughs> Oof. Like signing Kevin Love, who is in Barbados right now to a five-year max deal and then like hey you know what'd be a good idea let's trade for andre drummond i mean and get nothing in return nothing in return drummond is is a talent is, is a talent that if you can get for cheap and he fits in your system, it's a great acquisition. Yeah, but, Otherwise, yeah. yeah, but we already have like a more in shape and better Andre Drummond. His name is Tristan Thompson. <laughs> I say we, like I'm not running the team. I get that, but yeah, I don't know. Slug life. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take another guard. Can't wait for that. Get your, 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 your Garland Sexton. Uh, you, you don't have confidence that they're gonna pick one of the amazing wings in this draft. Is this is this the year you just pick the European kid and hope it pans out? Um, not not for the Cavs. Denny is is a pass first guy. Um, he's amazing I, I, playmaking on the wing. Um, I said one of them. I like you just grab like one off the board, like one that you've he's watched. The from- one that fits with the caps right but like i'm just saying like you just find just like you like i this would be the year you try to trade back but nobody wants any business with the lottery picks right now they're like all right Uh, but you you figure it out i feel like um if you're in the top six you're you're solid it doesn't matter where you are in the top six you're gonna get basically the same caliber player what Um, a low rotation player not a low rotation player, but like a, a serviceable starter. Unless it's Lamelo Ball. Lamelo Ball is the hit and miss of this draft. Um, if, if he hits, somebody said the upside was Lonzo Ball, and then you just watch the playoffs, and you just realize that should not be what you're spending one of your lottery picks on. Do you think? Do you think that Lamelo Ball's upside is just like Lonzo Ball? I think LaMelo Ball is worse than Lonzo Ball. I think LaMelo Ball has worse habits, but but I think that he has higher upside. How? Well, I actually haven't watched much, but um I mean I watched the Australian games. They were bad. Were they? 
played like 10 games and then he left. And I'm sure like his entire team was happy. Like glad that I mean, experiment. But the, facts, but the fact is he's what seven six seven point guard, big, who passes well. Do you know who he reminds me of at best? What? Michael Carter Williams. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you want to talk about the worst rookie of the year ever? Yeah. Like everyone said about how bad Malcolm Brogdon was because they didn't watch the Bucks. Like yeah. Malcolm Brogdon was good. Michael Carter Williams just sucks ass. And they just felt I think bad his, for Philly. I think his ceiling is a good Sean Livingston. Like if, if Sean Livingston didn't get hurt, I think that's what the Melball ceiling is. But but I mean his floor is, is Mark I think his floor is MCW. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think his ceiling's MCW. Anyways, um last question before you go. It's not going to be about Fox Girls. I know that's what you thought. Um, uh, close to Fox Girls, Joel Embiid. Where does he go? You think he stays? Okay. Um, Elton Brand is an awful GM. Um, yeah. Look, all the... you need to do is just get three shooters. I think that I still think I stand by this. I said it a few weeks ago before all the talking heads did. I, I'm saying it. I take ownership of it before anybody else does, but nobody cares. Uh, I think Ben Simmons is what you build around, not uh, Joel. But I think so too. But, but he's actually but in shape thinking... and on the court. <laughs> well, it's, it's that um, you have a big guard who can run down through everything. That, that game is timeless and it'll last forever. It's, it's, he's, he's a LeBron, LeBron without a shot. Yeah. yeah. He's a LeBron type, which is yeah. perfect. Uh-huh. But, um, I mean, oh, Embiid is like a unicorn, a big that can shoot. Like, he has a little bit of range, and he's your traditional, like, defensive big and and he's also can dominate on the offense but you just need spacing and and philly health health. he's so unhealthy yeah yeah um but but what team wants to build around Embiid? well it's like that's the thing so it's like it, it has to be like a contender who's going all in like because... like okay so let's let's go through let's go through the standings and of the teams and see what team needs a big that like can run with a big right would would like portland get him like after they get rid of whiteside like you know what i mean like would they take a big swing on him uh, they'd have to trade cj and that's not happening i don't know like i i'm just throwing it out there like it, it's like... i i think like if dallas could make the swing dallas should make the swing um if if toronto can do it they should do it if toronto would not want to put up with that that character though toronto has become the new san antonio as far as like character organization because of nick nurse Mm -hmm. brooklyn if they just want to like play meme ball they could do it i mean i would Um, love to see him on brooklyn so i could just viciously boo that team further (laughs) i i I just is it bad? Yeah. I, is it is it bad? There's a world where I see the Celtics doing it. Yes, like, I, I don't want to see that world. That seems like a dumb Danny Ainge move. 
It seems like it'd really work well. Like for Philly, I would be licking my chops of getting like Jalen Brown or something that would be like. You're the not getting. Of... You think? Because mm. like, I mean, you I... have to package. You have to package Hayward with it because of cap. Right, and... but I'm saying like that's a good deal for Philly. Yeah, it's not a yeah. good deal for Boston. I'm not saying it is, but I could see Boston trying to talk themselves that that they're a. A Joel would beat away. I I think I think they wouldn't be willing to give Brown. They'd be like probably giving up Smart and uh, picks, lots of picks. I this is a bad take. I know I'm gonna die on this hill. I'm dying on it. I still think that Jalen Brown is a better player than Jason Tatum. Oh, um, I I, I why? It's just like Tatum's bad habits. Is that it? I I think they both have similar lows like I, I think they're both like because they're as young as they are they both have like their streaks yeah but just i don't i just feel like brown is a lot more adaptable to i feel like, like tatum tatum has the ability to take over a game and brown doesn't that's fair and and brown might be like more stable that that's kind of where I'm getting at. But like that was also I was also the guy saying that I thought that Clay Thompson was going to have a better career than Steph Curry. I'm looking at more of like who's going to be sustainable over time. But like so I don't know. Like I think Tatum's peak's probably going to be higher than Brown's, but I see Brown being a, a more serviceable NBA player. Like for his and whole career. If if Boston's doing it right, they're keeping both for long periods of time. I hope they do. Yeah. I, as as much as everybody just says fuck the Celtics, that is an exciting pair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, the switchability, I mean, just watching Brad Stevens' system is just fun. They're they're one of my favorite teams to watch casually, even though I don't like the Celtics as an organization. How about this? Daryl Morey gets fired, and then the, the I new, want Daryl Morey so bad! The new guy, the new guy in, in Houston says, fuck the small ball lineup, we're going back to a reliable center. Gets Embiid, right? So then their team is Westbrook's Dibs is already contract. in New York. Dibs is already just, in New York. Their contract is, it's going to be the Westbrook contract, Harden, and then Embiid's a contract, which in two years when Embiid just explodes, it's just going to be just the biggest black hole. The only reason you fire Maury is politics and money. I... I I think, I, uh, I think I think the politics are definitely going to be a big reason for it now. But he was definitely I think he sped up the clock. I think he was very close to the the finish line without the, the patience of uh, ownership. But that's just I me. mean they just got unlucky, and and you need to do the moves he did to continue being competitive, right? I'm with I'm with you, but I'm and, also I'm, I'm looking at it from a man. So much he gets so much value out of so little. The, I the, always I always appreciated that he was still trying to be competitive, like compared to like everybody who uh, it was so wet for Sam Hinkie. Like the problem my, with Sam. H- okay, okay. Hinkie is a product of Maury's system. the The idea of tanking is is only one part of Hinkie's appeal. Hinkie made all the same great moves that that Maury did outside of the draft. Like asset acquirements and and smart like G yeah, acquires. 
he picked the wrong ones is ultimately what it was. He's not a good drafter, but but outside of drafting, Hinky is an amazing GM. Now we're getting into a whole different discussion. I think this is probably going to be about as long as anything else that we've had. <laughs> Let's put in to do podcasts. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I want to say the future's brighter for your team, but... It's not. We're, we're going to be the worst team in the West. Uh, and my team as, is... So long as, as Luke Walton is our coach, Sacramento Kings will never get into the playoffs. I'm over here looking at the Cavs, and I'm just wondering when. When again. Um, I, I was, um, like, I, when you trade Sexton. Is it Sexton or is it Garland? I haven't watched enough, but but it's one of them. You can't Garland started Garland started really bad, and then he started playing well. He's also a rookie, so give him time. I also like um, but but you can't. I like you're, Kevin Porter Senior. The ceiling, the ceiling of the Cavs is Portland. You can't have two small guards who don't play defense. Also, the ceiling of the Cavs is like losing in the first round in four in an eight seed at best. I mean, I mean, the theoretical ceiling, not not the practical ceiling. Matthew Delladova is not coming back, and my life is ruined. F. Yeah, I'm. So is he still his. like a? Is he still a serviceable backup point guard? Absolutely not. <laughs> like ten points at best. Like on his good nights, but he still has a shoe deal with Australia. <laughs> It's I, his shoes are $240. Cavs need a star wing to, to, do, to do anything. And sure. um, I don't know um, how much of this I'm cutting, but... No, just, just make it into a second podcast. No, we're not doing that. We'll do, Damn we'll it! Do, we'll, do it for the AT, we'll do it for the ATSC podcast. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you for joining us on the Dil Kokoro podcast. And uh, hope to see you soon. Yeah, it's been fun. I hope I come back sometime. But but when we spitball sports, I don't know how much the audience will appreciate that. By the way, what's your social media plug real quick? Uh, at Ray Kaze Rambles. I changed All it. All right. There it is. And goodbye. <laughs>